True Crime 49 is an Alaskan true crime podcast, the original Gothic Veritas. Welcome to True Crime 49. This podcast episode will be different than our usual ones. Robin Pelkey was a little bit different because this is an ongoing case, and in fact, we're trying to get media attention so this could be resolved. Fourth of July weekend, 2021, 2021 uh, Miles Williams fell off the back of a boat and the people who were with him, we don't know if maybe they looked for him for a little bit. Whatever happened before that we really don't know, but we know that 3.57 a.m. on 4th of July, they contacted the Alaska State Troopers. They being, we don't exactly know, according to the Anchorage Daily News, 15 and 16-year-olds. According to the Alaska State Troopers, there was just several others. Whoever was operating the boat at the time was a 16-year-old girl, and she was not um, intoxicated. When Miles Williams went off the back of the boat, he did not have a life preserver on, which is not mandatory by the law but it's supposed to be available to you at a moment's notice. He did not have a life preserver on. And the witnesses said that alcohol was probably a factor. Two of the uh, underage girls were intoxicated or at least under the influence of alcohol. Yeah, not intoxicated. We don't know if they were intoxicated. There was alcohol present. There was alcohol present. The driver, the designated driver, who was a girl who was under the age of 17, they had no alcohol present. Alaska is notorious for having very long summer days. And so the sun didn't go down until almost midnight, around 1140, and rose at 4.28 a.m. So 4.28 a.m. and they called in at 3.57 a.m. So there was, when he went missing or he fell off the boat, would have been the darkest time. The darkest part of the night is still what would, in a normal situation, would be considered to be the early morning light hours. Because the at any point, the sun is only two hours away from coming back up above the horizon. So mm-hmm. it, it's a very shallow dip. Big Lake is a body of water that collects and slowly distributes the water out. There is movement between the lakes, of course, but for the most part, by viewing it, you just see a large body of standing water and it appears to be stagnant. Because it's leaching, this, this, it's not being fed by giant rivers, it's, it's being leached out of all the, the mud around it, essentially. The water is very murky. As soon as the summer arrives, as soon as the thaw happens, uh, algaes bloom and the water it can become green. So a lot of times you don't have a lot of good visibility. And you're watching your kid jump into Big Lake, especially knowing that there are septic tanks and cesspools. It's hard to have your kid jump in the water because the water's all dirty, but you say this is Alaska and all the lakes are picked this this time of year. But it's very murky, very stagnant. Because of the nature of the lakes, in the area where Big Lake is. It's water that's essentially trapped below the horizon. And so as it gets larger and larger, as water just continues to collect, these numerous lakes become so close together 
that you can basically see them through the trees of these little sandbars and you can man you know man-made cut little channels straight channels right through and connecting these lakes that from the air look separated but when you zoom in you see these very clean sharp lined canals connecting these lakes so you're able to travel from big lake which has its own state recreation area on the one side and cut over next to Mirror Lake, which is a little bit more secluded, and there there are houses that that are out there, but but there aren't. It doesn't have a lodge. It doesn't have a state recreation area, and you can even continue farther, and you hit Flat Lake, which is even a little more secluded, and it would take you a little more time to get back out to Big Lake, which has which is the larger lake, but this these three lakes are connected. Big Lake is attached to Mirror Lake, Mirror Lake is attached to Flat Lake. We saw on Instagram photos that there was there were people out there. It wasn't really secluded. Even in the evening, there were still a couple of boats out there. But a lot of the people who did share photos on Instagram were from out of state. However, I did come across one, one person on Facebook who had mentioned that her parents own a home on Big Lake, on Flat Lake. And she said that nobody had restricted the area for search and rescue. And at the time, I, I believe the 4th of July and July 5th, that they would have had quite a bit of search and rescue out there. Something that comes to my mind at this point is, is that going on the lakes in Alaska, at any time an emergency could happen and you could lose someone, especially when, in the, when it could start in murky water. Because of the element of suspicion of why was it that um, it seemed like the search was very short and nobody, there wasn't this presence of a search and rescue out of any, that anybody's kind of saying, oh yeah, I saw the, all of the efforts. I saw the helicopter. I saw the boat searching. I saw the divers. And in any time there's a diver that goes into the water, the law is that you cannot be above them in your boat. So there are, they put out these flags and you're not allowed anywhere near them. And so on, a, on there's two sides. On one side, you want to find out why wasn't, why wasn't these efforts noticeable? Why wasn't there a big effort shown? But on the other side, it could be just an accident. Or what are these other elements that are on the table and how do we justify why does it look this way? Why, why isn't this unfolding the way you would imagine that it would unfold? They went missing in the early morning of July 4th, the late evening of July 3rd. They called the state troopers at 3.57 a.m. Uh, the sun rose shortly after that at 4.28 a.m. And that the search apparently began on 4th of July on that day. According to the Alaska State Troopers daily dispatch, they said they had started the search and that they would call it off for the evening, start again July 5th, and it would be from 8 to 5. Um, but by July 7th, they had called it off entirely and said unless they have new evidence or new leads, they would, you know, they, they're not going to utilize their resources anymore. According to the state troopers report, the Matsu Borough EMS dive team was involved in the search and rescue. MAT plus SAR, these are acronyms, M-A-T-S-A-R, search and rescue. It's a nonprofit organization started a number of years ago. They were involved as well. The Alaska Dive and Rescue, they had sonar and divers in the water, apparently, during the search and rescue. 
it's funny about dive equipment right now at this moment because in the exact same way that they've just created new DNA technology and they're cracking all of these cases all at once, a flood of cases that were forever were unsolvable, basically. Well, the same thing has happened with the diving. In the last six months, they have solved a number of, you know, of, of these missing people 32 years, 35 years ago using this new technology and they're experimenting with it. And so that goes into the question of if, he, if a young man fell into the water wearing no life preserver, and let's just say, he, you know, if he hit his head, the classic hit your head as you're being off the back of the boat, hit your head, you're out of conscience, you go into the water. Would he float? Would he sink? Well, and I think that was, that was what everybody thought as soon as we heard that he went missing, is that they're going to find him. This is Alaska. This is Big Lake. That boat, that lake doesn't have much of a current other than the ones that we put in it through boats. That if he would, he that he would float and we would find him, or that he would sink somewhere in a certain area and everyone would know. But very similar to um, baggage bogs. When they went missing, everybody came out. Everybody came out. They brought their ATVs, their planes, you know, their helicopters. And here's this boy who goes missing on Big Lake, and everybody's already out there. And I understand that the, if the cops, if they were to say, stay out of this area, we've got divers in, in the area, you know, but I think that you would have heard more of an outcry from the community saying, find our kid, than we did. It is understandable that the search and rescue teams, and these are these are never people who these are the first year divers, these are people who've done this over and over again. And usually these type of people are obsessed with their work and proud of it. So when these, when you, these people decide to, yes, we wanna go through all of the protocols of charging everything up and getting this guy ready and putting him in the water, knowing full well that every year at this time when you get in that water, it needs to be right in front of you to see it. So it does make sense that there would be a delay that you wouldn't see all this activity, you wouldn't see people jumping into the water because there's nothing, there's no direction they're traveling toward. And, and they're saying that you, you'd have to know what you're looking for. The Alaska State Trooper Sergeant Ryan Andrews, a lot of this information comes from, said the two things that would be hard or that are difficult in this case is number one, pinpointing the location, like you had mentioned. And number two, again, the murky water, which you mentioned, doing how do you do a search grid in a big lake, literally a big lake. We see on TV, when they do a search grid, people are hand to hand and they are like walking very slowly over a field looking for anything with dogs. Well, you can't have divers hand to hand over 26 miles of shoreline where it's deepest, it's 89 feet. The occupants of the boat had said that maybe between Burston Island and Bird Island is where he would have went missing. His mom had said his cell phone pinged at Flat Lake, which would have been, you know, two lakes down, and his truck was found between Mirror and Flat Lake. So during that span of time, he did travel from Flat Lake 
Mirror Lake to Big Lake somehow or another, either by car or on boat. When it comes time to writing those type of bills that it's going to take for a big search weekend over 4th of July, you could see why their statement was, until we get something else, some type of new evidence, we're calling off the search. So it, it, now, it does make sense. Their actions that we've seen them make does make sense. And I, initially, the Westlake Fire Department, which would have been the local borough fire department, is the one who said, stay out of the area you know, while we search. So that type of response seems appropriate for right off the bat. It wasn't that Big Lake doesn't have a large municipality. It's part of a borough. So all Martin Boozer stole the Big Lake fire truck to put out a forest fire that was encroaching on his home. And he didn't really get in trouble for it. So this is kind of what's going on out there. It's not, you know... If Martin Boozer busts down the door like Chuck Norris and uses the fire truck, that's the type of stuff that can't happen out there. It does happen out there. But in this case, that's not what happened. It didn't happen. But, uh, you know, the echoing of, where is he? That's about it. Um, That's why we want to do this podcast, because he went missing on a lake, and that you would assume that he, they would have been able to find with various sonar or the various experience of all of these Alaska divers, these search and rescue people. But it didn't, and they kind of gave up fairly quickly, which is not usual. That's not the usual mentality. They just found, identified Robin Pelkey after 20, or 37 years. If the normally the Alaska law enforcement has a a can-do attitude, they can get things done. Um, And here that they don't, it leads me to believe there's something about the whole situation that makes them say this is not a dive team issue. This is a investigation issue. The dive team not only has divers, the most seasoned divers don't even dive at all. All they are doing is thinking in the hotel room, thinking on the plane, making the list. When that vigorous young diver goes into that water, the older, more seasoned divers have been putting everything together, everything. If that young man dies, it's on their shoulders. And so these guys plan everything about when those young men walk in, dive into that water, there are so much, you don't know how much planning they put into this. And the information that they're getting, with that's what this guy does. The guy who tells, talks to the people, your guy's missing. Who is he? What happened? The information that they suit up for, apparently the information that they got, the law enforcement got from the girls on the boat, they felt questionable of letting go with all the resources that we're not even sure if if we're getting accurate information. Whether or not these girls have been tra- traumatized by having losing someone on a boating accident, that is a very tra- traumatic event. Yeah. It's in the dark hours. They're traveling across the water. When the wa- and the light is a flat light when it comes up with that. It's coming flat across the horizon. It's very disorienting. So that alone would say, oh, these, you know, these girls, you're asking these girls who've been through a lot tonight, and where were you? And they don't know. And so... And again, you know, we we hope that this will get more media attention because 
as you say that, it just makes me have more questions. If I was on that boat at nighttime, I would have been taking my searchlight and shaking it around. And anybody else on that lake would have said, look over there, there's something going on. And immediately there would have been an instant search party. Again, it could have been some sort of shell shock. They weren't experienced. But all of those, it just brings up so many questions. There's parts of this that seem to be questionable about the way that it's unfolding. On one side, you can say, okay, it makes sense under these certain parameters. But then looking another way, you say, Big Lake on 4th of July, you have every type of device that a human could contract or purchase on that water. And it's, and it's, it's amazing. It's fun and it's fireworks and it's, it's a little bit of the Wild West. Of course, you can kind of do what you want because there's usually not a big law enforcement presence. They are there. Fourth of July and Big Lake, like you said, it's, it's not a, it's not a scary place. It would be wonderful to know who was the boat registered to. Is there another adult in the equation other than just him? How did he access it from the road to the lake if that's what he used it for? Was there any interactions at all during the course of the day? Was he making other people angry? Let's say, let's say, had an argument on the water, right? You got too close to the guy's jet ski or his plywood boat. Was there words exchanged with anybody? Because it brings up the, it brings up the point of thinking about when you're talking about Big Lake in the summer and it, everyone has all of their, their toys and everyone's having an amazing time. And then you go there in contrast to the winter when you drive out of, through the woods and onto the lake and you're driving across the lake to, you know, there are different types of people that live on Big Lake. Some people are the original people who oh, yeah. weathered the winter out there, you know, maybe even you could say deliverance. Yeah. Uh, and then so-and-so's proud because they got their summer cabin on the Big Lake. And so you've got summer cabin people at all echelons of, of social st standings. You've got the original homestead could guy could be right there between you. And he only comes out three times a year, you know, to go buy supplies in town. So you're, he did, were there any interactions with the local, someone local who lives, not a, not a vacationer? Was there any interactions with a local on the lake? That then you would have, there should be a trove of information available. Probably some of the most reputable information that we get is you know, uh, gossip that's come around three or four times and hasn't changed. Regarding what you said earlier, if you, well, it'd be interesting to know the people who live in Big Lake, what do they say? What, what's the word around, you know, the lakes? Right? To be a 21-year-old young man and to have three 15, 16-year-old girls on the boat and at least two of them were under the influence of alcohol by the state troopers by the investigators. That's a very risky place to put yourself if you, if you were looked, viewed at from the outside. And then to also take and go to a section, not only to out of town in Big Lake, but then to go out on another channel to even more, you know, a little bit more secluded, not to be an echo off of the Big Lake and you're in the back corner of some lake. To be putting yourself in a risky position to where if someone was to view you, that they could say, you're an older person, you're a 21 year old, and you have three young girls on the boat and you got your drinking over the holidays. I don't want to say three young girls because we don't know if there was only three and we don't know if they were all girls. I see. We know that they were- Minors. 
that to be a 21 year old on a boat where it appears that you made that several minors with several minors and some of them are under the influence of alcohol you know you could be giving them a ride home they, well, either way that's a very very risky position to be in as a 21 year old on 4th of July out in the middle of nowhere I think that's that's a probably a stigma that happens with law enforcement if you can say they deserved it somehow then you won't have to do the investigation with Robert Hansen you know they're prostitutes it's fine they somehow they deserved it and then it makes it so we don't take the extra mile and find out who the person is and um so you mentioned that he was with minors he was Miles Williams is also black and I didn't mention it before because you know you don't want to play the race card but definitely in Wasilla where it's mostly white people with very conservative values that maybe his color had something to do with it but there's that's a lot of conjecture and it falls away from what we know and it does also make cloud the water I agree. Though I mentioned, that's what I mentioned earlier about you know being close to drownings. It's 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 too bad, but it is a fact that there are the type of people out there to where they become violent against their races. They are racist to the point of being violent. And there's also there. It's unfortunate, but it's also true that there are the people in law enforcement that if they hear of certain circumstances, that they won't engage into a big effort because it'll just take care of it themselves trust me this you don't need to pour a bunch of your care and emotion and your drive into this it's unfortunate that that race does become an issue not necessarily because that's the that's the attitude of america as a whole but there are people where that the race and color of his skin might affect their actions and even though it might be abnormal they could be a trigger point. We know that Miles Williams was 21 years old from Anchorage, Alaska, and he went out with some friends on 4th of July to Big Lake, and he never came home. And um, we don't know the circumstances around it, whether he was a victim or maybe he did something or it was an accident. We don't know any of that information. And um, we don't have his body either. But if anybody has any information, the people who live on Big Lake, visitors, um, the witnesses that were there, I know that it would probably go a long way to heal the community and at least give his mom some answers. So if anybody has any information, please get in touch with the Alaska State Troopers. We would like to do an update on Miles Williams. Since the airing of the episode, the Anchorage Daily News has done an article on Miles Williams, which you can read on their website or on Facebook. More importantly, Miles's mother contacted us through our YouTube channel and answered some questions or, or gave us some information that we didn't have before. So I'd like to read that verbatim. Quote, Just so the audience knows, there were four girls on the boat. When Miles arrived at the cabin, the people were already drinking. The person he came with stated that they came with their own alcohol, that he did stop on the way and purchase himself beer. He wasn't just some black man supplying liquor to young girls. This came from one of the young women on the boat. End quote. From 
Anchorage Daily News or ADN.com. There was mention of several videos of Miles Williams the day that he went missing um, from varied descriptions that it was hard to see, but still a little bit of light, and that he was overboard waving his arms and that uh, the occupants of the boat were laughing and and appears to be driving away. There is a Facebook group called Bring Miles Williams slash Colt Home, and I encourage you to follow that, support them, share anything we can do to truly bring Miles Williams home. In further research, we have discovered that the Alaska Dive Search, Rescue, and Recovery Team had put in over 31 hours of search time for Miles through the week of July 4th through the 7th, and that their search vessel incurred what they said on their website as substantial metal fatigue, currently doing a fundraiser for a vessel that is new to them. We also learned, despite the Alaska State Troopers saying that their end of the search and rescue had concluded for the time being, the Alaska Dive Search, Rescue, and Recovery Team continued to go out July 13th and July 22nd, even though they were suffering some issues with their their boat. So I would encourage you to go check them out, Alaska Dive Search, Rescue, and Recovery Team, to show them some support. And if you have a buck or two, this is a very good cause. And they continue to search for miles. Thank you for listening to True Crime 49. You can find us online and on most social media platforms at TC49 Podcast. Support the show by sharing the podcast and rating. You can also visit our Patreon for bonus podcasts like Inches and Mercury, which includes a Robert Hansen episode, and visit our website for merchandise. True Crime 49 is an Alaskan true crime podcast. The original Gothic Veritas. When you lived on Big Lake, what was your least favorite meal? Everything that came from Big Lake. <laughs>